0: Hey people, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales coach and consultant who works with coaches, business owners, and people in the world of sales who want to become more comfortable and confident in selling in their own natural human way. If you're enjoying the podcast episodes and would like to access some great free resources linked to the podcast series through the monthly newsletter, which also includes podcast extracts and news on upcoming masterminds, live streams, and events. Then you can email me chris.hatfield at not another That's chris.hatfield at another sales guy.com and quote "Let's do this." This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organization that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognized coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach. That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by Colleen Francis named in LinkedIn's top voices of 2018, award-winning sales strategist and best-selling author. And Colleen and I are going to be talking all about the psychology of selling, how your perspective of sales will impact your outcome. We're going to start by talking about what are some of the limiting beliefs that can impact us in the world of sales, what are the reasons why some people don't see themselves as natural sellers and what's important to focus on when it comes to the mindset. Along with this, how we can start replacing those limiting beliefs with limitless ones. So sit back, grab a pen and pad, and enjoy. Colleen, welcome. How are you? I am
1: doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Excited to be here. Great. And Colleen, for people tuning in who aren't too familiar with with who you are, it'd be great to give them a bit of an insight and overview to start off with, really.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, my my, my current incarnation <laughs> is me as a sales <laughs> consultant, sales expert, thought leader. Um, and I've been um, in this role really for, oh, 19 years now. Um, and I started consulting my company, com after a long career in direct sales myself. So I came out of the business-to-business selling environment, mostly in technology, selling information management systems, databases to large highly regulated companies, large complex sale um, kind of stuff, which I love to do. And I uh, found a real op- great opportunity a number of years ago to start consulting with companies to help them navigate this uh, complex sales environment.
0: Mm, great. And uh, you know I'd love to explore a bit more about that later on, really, with sure. what you've learned along the way. But and one of the things I wanted to, when we started speaking, Colleen, and, um, that's been on my mind, I suppose, the last few weeks and more months, really, is... I often get asked and the people I work with and you might have come across this as well in that a lot of people, maybe not necessarily in the direct world of sales, but small business owners and more and more people starting their right own thing these days is that they're very passionate about what they do. They know their product and their solution, but they feel a bit apprehensive about coming across as too salesy or they, they aren't yeah. don't see themselves as this classic cliche of, I'm not a natural born salesperson. Sure. And I think... Within the psychology of selling, there's a a lot to be said around what that actually looks like. So first of all, what do you think are some of the reasons people don't see themselves as natural sellers or feel they can't sell in their own way?
1: Well, I think there's two reasons um, in the context that you've provided. One, most people don't start businesses because they love to sell and they're looking for a, a business to say, hey, what can I sell? They start a business because they're passionate about their expertise or the intervention or the product or the service that they're going to sell. So they don't see the sales aspect of it. They just are looking forward to delivering the solution to the client. Um, I think, too, people see it still as that old-fashioned, I'm going to waste someone's time, push a product on them that they may or may not want or that they don't know about. Um, Because, you know what, we all have, even people like me who've been around great salespeople my whole life, we've all been... In that situation where we have that negative sales experience and unfortunately we as humans tend to generalize from that specific negative so we have one bad experience with a salesperson um, we make a bad purchase or we get a bad taste in our mouth and we think oh that's what all sales is it really stands Mm -hmm. out in our mind the funny thing is is when we have a great sales experience when you go into a store and buy something and feel really good about the experience when you buy a house Piece of jewelry, um, new technology equipment for your house, you actually don't really feel like you're being sold. And so you don't even equate it to a sales process. So it's unfortunate because we don't say, oh my gosh, that was such a great sales experience. That sales guy was so perfect. I love him. Yeah. He made a great, re- you know, built a great relationship with me. You say, I did a good job buying. (laughs) So so as salespeople, we don't get credit for when we're doing a really excellent job. We only get the negative (laughs) for when we do a terrible job. So, I mean, all joking aside, it is for a non-professional salesperson, it is really hard to spot and dissect what a good sales process looks like. So we don't have a lot of examples of them. So we don't know what we're trying to emulate. And the mindset that we need to be going into our businesses with is, I have a solution or a service or a product, whatever you want to call it, that is going to leave people better off after doing business with me. I deliver great value that is either going to solve a problem for them or create a gain, give them some greatness, and they will be in a better position after doing business with me than they were before. And when you have that kind of attitude going in, it doesn't feel like selling. It just feels like helping.
0: A couple of points you've mentioned there, particularly around why people don't see themselves as natural sellers, is because of their current perception of of sales as a negative one. Whether it's being mm-hmm. from films they've seen, or maybe it's people that they've worked around or friends that they know who see them, they see them as successful and think that they might be this extrovert, real confident, outgoing individual, and mm-hmm. feel like you know that's what you need to be yeah. great at selling. And therefore, when they see themselves on the opposite end of that spectrum they therefore have those limiting beliefs yes and they're investing too much time in looking at others in the wrong way and being intimidated by them rather than looking at ways in which they could inspire them yeah in.
1: absolutely and you know i have worked with thousands of th- sales people globally in a whole variety of industries and i can tell you that they come great sales people come in all shapes and sizes there's introverts mm. and extroverts highly analytical people Uh, People like me who can't spell to save her life. Uh, You know, people who see the forest, people who see the trees. Um, The one thing they do have in common, though, is this overwhelming belief that they deliver value to their marketplace. So they believe in the products and services that they're selling. That's critical. And they have a high level of um, persistence um, or resilience, you know, grit, if you want to call it that. So their self-esteem isn't tied up in, oh, that person said, no, I must be a terrible human being, you know, oh, woe is me, it's all going to heck in a handbasket, I'm never going to be successful. They say, oh, that's too bad, that person says no, but I have five other people to talk to today. So Mm -hmm. their self-esteem is not... um, made or loss on a win or a loss. It's based on who they are and the value they know they can provide to the marketplace. And that's really critical because it helps them follow up and it helps them pick themselves up when they do get a no or they do have a bad day or a bad week.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And to add on to that as well, I, I see so many people in the world of sales and, and you know, people starting out their own businesses who focus too much on thinking, I can't be like that person because of thinking about what they're saying. And it's not enough time is spent on how someone's thinking. And it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is that particularly when it comes to selling, everyone's focused so much on the process and thinking, oh, I, I tried to say it exactly the same way as the other person who's the top seller said it and it came, it didn't work. It's not, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it and what you're, what's going on in your head before you even actually say anything to a customer, before you even pick up the phone of of those self-beliefs, those limiting beliefs. and that Absolutely. The
1: yeah, absolutely. The the stories that we tell ourselves are the most powerful stories of them all. And um, I've come to learn two really important mindsets uh, that are critical in sales. One is that we have to generalize from a specific positive, not a specific negative. So we're all going to lose business. Um, that can't you can't take that and say, oh, I always lose business. Um, When you do win a piece of business, you have to take ownership of that and say, hey, I won one, I can win 10 more. So that's really critical. That generalization from a, uh, what did I say, a specific positive there. Uh Uh, That's a a really critical mindset for us to be taking. Um, The other one is, it doesn't matter that you know that you're good. It matters that you know why you're good. So when you do have a win, it's really critical that we dissect it and say, what did I do right at every step along the way? so that you can replicate that success because far too many, um, business owners, they start to have some success and they don't really know why, but they just keep having success almost by accident. And if you can say, okay, in this case, I talked to, you know, the right person or I asked the right questions or I, you know, and you can document that, then we can replicate that process and you create the winning process for yourself.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And it lends itself to a story and I have shared this before, but I'll share it again around the All Blacks New Zealand rugby team who are statistically the most successful sports team in the history of sport. And typically what a sports team will do, when they win, they'll go out and celebrate. And when they lose, they'll come in early the next day and analyse it. Whereas the All Blacks do it the way round. If they lose, they'll go out and get drunk. And when they win, they'll come in early and, and analyse it because they believe they can land off their wins and win to their losses. And they believe you can be... Can you can continue doing what you're already doing already and keep that momentum moving rather than changing something or not? And that's you know,
1: fascinating. I
0: completely, I completely agree with you. It's it's celebrating success, but then analyzing it. It's like if you've had a great meeting or you've won a deal. Like how many times is that lost of the whole process of it in the midst of going out and celebrating? It? It's like spend as much time and dedicate as much time as you would if you lost a pitch to if you won it. Yeah. So, having a meeting the next day of two hours of everyone involved going. Why did we lose this? If you want it, exactly the same thing.
1: Yeah, you you, have got me thinking. After um, having a few whiskeys with the Australian um, national rugby team in Tokyo one night, I'm wondering if they were celebrating a win or a loss. (laughs) 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 They were drinking heavily. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) maybe they lost to the All Blacks. (laughs) I love that. Um, All joking aside, you know it's um, it's so true. Highly successful people don't spend enough time analyzing um, analyzing their wins, and I remember once when Tiger Wood was, was at the top of his game, he was um, on the putting green, and he was putting these balls into the hole, and they were all going in, like, you know, tens of them, hundreds of them, all being sunk, sunk, sunk. And a Sports Illustrated reporter said to him, Tiger, why are you still putting? You're hitting 100%. And he said, because I don't like the way the ball is rolling into the cup. <laughs> so here he was having success, but he was analyzing that success to say, how could it actually be better? Um, but, you know, analyzing that success is so important. What are you doing right? Um, how can you replicate it? Um, because that's going to get you to the win faster than just trying to correct your mistakes.
0: Yeah. And it also starts creating that train of changing how you're thinking as well, because we are so programmed, as you mentioned earlier, to to pick up on the negatives and expand on them even more. And you know, when it comes to the psychology of selling, that's that's really what we do too much is focus on the negatives and blow them up, but we kind yeah. of hide the positives and don't really think about what's what's great about us. And on on that topic of of the negatives, if people are listening to this and they might be thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I think I'm actually I don't think I have a limiting belief within myself. What are some of the things that that you hear that might not be seen as limiting beliefs, but really are that are holding people back from being more successful in selling?
1: So one is this absolutes. So for example, I was in Dubai working with some salespeople and they were um, moaning and complaining and they, they were using these absolutes in their language all our clients are price sensitive. All our clients want a deal. All our business is being lost to the competition because of price. All, you know, We always... And finally, I stopped him and I said, well, tell me, how are your results this year? Are you ahead or behind of last year? And he said, oh no, we're ahead of last year and ahead of plan. I said, well, then you can't be losing all your business to the competition. He's like, oh no, just some of it. But that negative mindset then becomes very damaging because you walk into the next sale with the customer. And if you're saying all our customers want a price discount, then you're going to either do things to bring that on. You'll use language unintentionally. You know, you'll say things like this is more expensive or there's an increase in price or you'll be less confident um, and that will cause the customer or... You'll talk about, um, you'll negotiate with yourself going in and you'll go in with a lower price. So it's really critical. That's, that's the big one. Don't, don't generalize that way and don't use that absolute language. Uh-huh. Um, the other limiting belief is that I see is people being afraid to pick up the phone or being afraid to follow up because they say to themselves, uh, and they often say to me as their coach, I don't want to bother them. Um, And if people really believe that they have value to share and that someone is going to be better off as a result of doing business with them, then it's not a bother, right? Um, Following up is following up. And so if you... If you think you're bothering people, then you just won't call them. If you think you're delivering value, then you'll set up a time for the next call. When you're on the phone and they say, call me back in a week, you set an appointment up. And so you provide positive assertiveness in the sales cycle. So you have to really catch yourself with with that. Um, I think
0: think on your first point there as well, with um, being careful of those limiting beliefs, is sometimes they can fall into our language or even at the end of our questions when we're asking is we can turn open questions into closed ones when we're actually asking people that we we drop these things in around price around reasons giving the customer almost a reason to doubt us yeah absolutely rather than just asking a question we'll ask a question and we'll give a, a an option for route to go down like for example or is it too expensive or are you not sure yet and then they'll start thinking well I was but you're not really making me feel that confident because you've just said that so maybe I shouldn't be.
1: Yeah that word is a real is really damaging you know I was um of all things I was shopping for makeup brushes a number of years ago and I remember really liking one set and the woman said to me well these ones are more expensive than the others and it was just her choice of language now I got to be frank with you we were talking about $35 versus $29 or something like that I mean it was a minuscule amount so I remember thinking Man, if she thinks those are expensive, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wait. but, um, but I, I noted the choice of language, uh, because she thought they were expensive. She assumed I thought they would be expensive. And so she used yeah. that language, um, inadvertently wanting to drive, you know, driving me down to the cheaper quote unquote products. So you have to be careful about that because you are not your customer. And this is another self-limiting belief. It is true that the way we buy and the way we sell are intrinsically linked. So this, I'm not going to make a judgment call here, but some people are, let's just say buyers and some people are shoppers. Some people go and they say, I need a new pair of jeans and they go in, they buy whatever's on the rack and they leave. And some people go to 18 stores and see if they're getting a deal and drive across town to save $5 and then go to Amazon to save another $2 and wait two weeks, right? And there's no right or wrong here. It's just the way we're wired. The key is, is we can't assume that our customers buy the way we do. And it's especially damaging if you are that shopper, if you are that person who is always looking for a deal and you're selling in a marketplace where you're trying to communicate value and you're selling a higher price product or a specialty product or a premium product um, you've got to dig in a little bit more and remind yourself that your customers will make different decisions than you might. And that can be challenging. But if you don't have that supportive belief system, um, it can be hard for you to sell those premium products.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate to that completely. When I first started my career in sales, I was doing door-to-door sales, um, knock 100 doors a day, residential, loft and cavity walls, solar panels. And in my head, Ooh. when I first started, I was like... No one's going to want to, like, I wouldn't want to sign up if someone knocked on my door and wanted to come in my house and go, in my loft. Like, why would anybody do that? And because of that, a limiting belief, <laughs> I got nowhere, whereas <laughs> actually thinking, okay, I might not want to, but there are people out there, and the only way I'm going to be able to, to, to do that is to build that trust and that rapport with them and show them, as you mentioned earlier, that I'm not bothering them. I'm providing value here, something that's going to help them save money, yeah. and is something that's cost-efficient. So I need to switch my mindset of how I look at it.
1: Yeah, you know, because I, I can take that example and say, I might not want those solar panels on my roof because I think they're ugly, p-
0: me personally
1: as a human being, right? But that doesn't prevent me from believing that they add value. Some people want them because it saves them a lot of money. Some people want them because they really feel strongly about the environment. Some people want them because they want to, you know, get off the grid <laughs> yeah. and not pay taxes to the man. You know, there's all sorts of other reasons. And that's exactly what you need to do. If you are looking at something that you're selling and saying, man, I would never pay, well, I would never pay, you know, $1,000 for an iPhone, but say you're selling iPhones, um, then you say, well, what kinds of people do? People, you know, people might want to pay $1,000 for the prestige or for the innovation or for the great camera or for the fact that they're buying something that they can FaceTime their grandchildren with when they're traveling all over the world. Um, And it's really critical. And the way you do that is by talking to your existing customers and other people in the business to find out what others value about your product. I think the fastest way to change your mindset um, around the fear of selling is to talk to customers and just ask them, what do you value about our product? How has it changed your business? How has it changed your life? How have you saved money? How have you made money? You know, whatever question. But get them to detail to you why they do business with you and how they feel about that, and then that is the value that you can start to own yourself and feel confident in when you're delivering it.
0: Mm, that's such such a such a good point there, and I think you know you, you mentioned there a couple of things around what's important to focus on instead of these limiting beliefs. And one thing you mentioned earlier that's so a limiting belief people is thinking I don't want to bother people, and I have this come up quite often um, within my role and the people that I work with. And as you've said, it's, it's getting that mindset of, first of all, that self-belief of knowing that you can add value and help someone. But also, rather than thinking, oh, I have to try and sell to this person, is I just need to give them the opportunity to buy. And I use the analogy, it's a bit like when you go into a restaurant and what happens when you go into a restaurant is someone will come up to you and offer some menus. How many people is it for? Great. Come and sit down. Now, we don't bat an eyelid in the restaurant, but what they're doing there is they're, they're, they're assumptive because they think they've got, we've got a need that they can solve. Yes, And they're giving us an opportunity to say, yes, we don't walk into a restaurant. They don't just stare at us and go, are you all right there? Like, that would just be weird. Then you probably would walk out of that <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So it's so thinking the other way around. It's almost, if I believe in what I'm selling, whether that's my own product as a small business or if I'm working for an organization, and like you said, seeing the value in it, and I have understood their needs and have a clear idea, then it's almost a disservice to not give them the opportunity to say yes and to, to be able to purchase my products and service. It's I'm absolutely I'm having giving them a negative experience if I don't and therefore they're going to be worse off without me. And if you get that into your head, then you will actually approach it in a far more positive way because you realize you're trying to benefit them and add value to them.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, and I think this becomes much easier for business people if we're talking to a lot of people. So I really believe um, that activity or action um, creates motivation and, and creates confidence. If you only have one person in your sales pipeline that you're trying to close and you desperately need that revenue and you know you, you really want this deal to close, you, you are going to be nervous. You're going to be scared to ask them for the business. You're going to be scared to be assertive. Um, you're going to lose your confidence in the value that you're bringing because you're only talking to one. You have nobody else to talk to. But if you've got five or six people in the pipeline, all who have raised their hand and have shown some interest, um, your level of confidence goes up because you know what? Chris, if I'm talking to you and I say, ask if you want to do business with me and you say no, then I can say, hey, well, you know, that's too bad. I would have loved to have helped you, but totally your choice and you can move on and talk to somebody else. So volume is really critical for small business owners.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the golden threads that's, that's gone throughout this, and we've mentioned it a few times, is, as you mentioned earlier, successful salespeople come in all shapes and sizes realizing that your style is the right style. And it's it's realizing that whatever you've been given as a human being, that is unique to you. No one else is like you. So it's thinking, how do I play to my strengths and how do I utilize them? In, yeah. If I'm a bit more um, introvert, but I might be quite good at numbers, it's thinking, okay, how do I show people that I can build trust and relationships through that way and show them that I've done my research? Or yes. if I am someone a bit more outgoing, then you know, utilize that and engage with them, but not overall them. And it's thinking... You know, what what are you? We talked about earlier realizing what you're doing well, but it's also realizing what makes you who you are, and thinking how do I utilize that more rather than looking at other people and thinking, oh, I need to be like them. It's like no, you can, you can take oh, bits yeah. pieces from other people, but then it's merging it into thinking how do I get it to to my personality and to mold around that rather than it to replace my personality.
1: Yes, absolutely, because you can't. You can't build authentic relationships with people if you're not being authentic yourself. Everyone can see it, right? Your voice changes, your body language changes, um, and you won't be successful. So it is really critical that, yes, you learn from others and take um, some ideas from what they're doing, but you have to make it your own.
0: Yeah, definitely. And some of the things we've mentioned here, Gilly, what was, out of curiosity, some of the challenges that you first faced when you stepped into the to the world of selling or any limiting beliefs that you had
1: well a few uh, you know when i first graduated from university and started selling my first limiting belief was why would any of these business owners who were all older than me listen to me you know i was 20 whatever how old are you when you graduate 21 23 you know <laughs> so i had some limiting beliefs around uh, my age and experience and um, i was fortunate to have a mentor in the business who really showed me that nobody cares how smart you are. Your job is not to go in there and wow them with your understanding, your knowledge, you're, your um, job is to go in there and start a conversation and keep that conversation going. And you do that with questions. So he taught me really early on that people love to talk about themselves (laughs) (laughs) and that the best way to make someone feel good about them and you in the sales process is to just ask a ton of questions. So I got through that fear of, oh my goodness, I know nothing about this industry. I know nothing about this business. I'm 20, 30, 40 years younger than most of my prospects by just going in and asking questions. And frankly, it was great advice because it took me from that career, even as I you know, got older, but I moved into different industries, it was the same advice, just ask questions. So that was a big one for me.
0: Yeah, um, and I think on that topic as well, I, I talked about this every day as um, someone shared on LinkedIn The woman Jackie Hermes talked about that she'd had people message her saying, Oh, you you know, who are you to tell us about this? You know, you're not, you've only been doing this X amount of time. And it's thinking, Well, you know, the the advantages of coming into the industry and and not having that aging experience is you come in with a fresh set of eyes. And in the last five or 10 years, we've seen so many businesses start and disrupt the industry because people have come and gone in and gone, Actually, do you know what? This should be a better way of doing this and we're going to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when I started consulting, um, you know, I started consulting with companies that I knew really well, industries that I knew really well, technology, so that was fine. But as I did move and get inquiries into other industries, I, my, my limiting belief there was, what the heck do I know about corporate banking or about agriculture or about oil and gas? And very quickly, I was able to shift that to say, you know what, the reason they need me is I don't know anything about their business. I'm the process expert, not the content expert, and they can benefit from learning what other industries are doing not just replicating what every oil and gas
0: company is doing
1: and so it became a huge benefit for me but i had to turn that limiting belief around
0: quickly Mm. definitely definitely and what do you think you've throughout your, your whole career now coming up to present day what do you think you've learned most about yourself so far um
1: what have i learned most about myself i think I would say that I'm incredibly resilient. Um, and to to be a small business owner, you have to be resilient. And what I mean by that is when I, when I have a bad month, bad year, bad quarter, you know, sometimes you just do, when you lose your biggest customer, I can look inside and say, okay, let's replace it or let's find it. I don't wallow and think that it's over and Oh, what was me and I'm going to be bankrupt. I can, I can sell, um, and I can pick up the phone and build relationships and find new business pretty quickly. And I think everybody can too. I've coached lots of small business owners who have that in them, but they've got to get rid of the self-limiting belief that says, "Ah, oh, it's over. <laughs> I lost a piece of business. My life is over. It's crumbling around me and just say, ha, huh. Well, that sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Go out and have yeah. a drink like the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah. Come back to work the next day and pick up the phone.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> So have a very I short memory that way. It's very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. Every day feels like the first day.
1: Yeah. Somebody, you know, I need to look up this quote because um, a very successful quarterback, I don't, it wasn't Tom Brady, but it was someone else in the NFL said that one of the hallmarks of, uh Of a great quarterback is a short memory <laughs> because, you know, when you throw a pass and your wide receiver, a perfect pass and the wide receiver drops it, you can't say, oh, that guy's, you know, an idiot. I'm never throwing in the ball again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it's the same with us. We have to do the same um, things for ourselves.
0: Absolutely. I really like that quite. I'm going to look it up myself yeah, as well. I
1: keep forgetting to look it up. <laughs> I use
0: it a lot, though. Yeah. And, um, other than what we've talked about today, today Colleen, is there any other tips that you would want to share with people listening to this who are in the world of sales, who have got their own sort of side hustle or business and growing that?
1: Um, well, I think two things. Um, one, you've got to remember that one is a dangerous number. So volume is really critical. Get out there and talk to as many people as possible. Um, Because that activity, that motion, that action is really going to motivate you um, and inspire you to want to keep going. So it also builds a huge amount of confidence, especially if you're just starting out or as you say, you've got a bit of a side hustle and you're trying to make it your full-time hustle. Um, You need to know that you're not going to win them all. And the more people you're talking to, the better business you're going to build. So it helps to build that confidence and that resilience.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Colleen. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you.
1: Oh, been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. And for the listeners that want to tune in to to you and your business, how can they find you on the various platforms?
1: Uh, I am so easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me on my website, Um, and then on all the social media channels. I've got uh, you know YouTube. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'm available at Colleen Francis on all of those sites as well. And I'm happy to have you uh, join into my communities.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again, Colleen. It's been a real pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for
0: having me. You're welcome. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts you can find me on instagram not another sales guy underscore in each of those words you can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing not another sales podcast and also if you want to connect to me on linkedin i go by the name of chris hatfield so thanks again and stay tuned for another episode